you know, you can make the argument that as movies keep coming out, this podcast will outlive us. And so this is the first episode of the preceding film podcast with Heath Anderson and Drew Watsky. Drew, are you a movie guy? Yeah, I'm a movie guy. (laughs) I think I have been since high school. There are some corners of the movie world that I haven't explored yet, but uh, it's expanding. We'll get into it. Yeah. We'll get you into some David Cronenberg. <laughs> yeah. We'll get into it. PTA. Got some room there. Yeah. I'm very excited about this. I uh, I could talk about movies all day, and so finally get an outlet to do that. <laughs> so looking forward to that. Um, yeah, so preceding film is what we're going to call this thing. So what we're going to do is we're going to talk about a film, and then we're going to talk about a movie that is maybe based off of it, like explicitly, or maybe we just see similarities between this film and a preceding film, or maybe even just... I want to talk about these two movies, so let's figure out some sort of connection, that kind of thing. And today, on the preceding film podcast, we're going to do the Michael Lewis double feature. Michael Lewis is an author. He's done a lot of, uh, how would you describe his books? He does a lot of research into these, you know, these true stories of kind of a behind-the-curtain look at a broad public kind of perception of this event, but what was really going on behind the scenes. So we're going to do The Big Short first, and then we're going to do Moneyball. Which, uh, if you are Heath Anderson and Drew Watsky, you love these movies. (laughs) And so, yeah, first we're going to talk about The Big Short, uh, directed by Adam McKay. It's really about the the 2008 stock market crash. Something I don't really know much about (laughs) past this movie. But, uh, Drew, let me ask you this. If you talk to your dad about it, like my dad, whenever he talks about the 2008 crash, like he like looks up into the air for a second. It's like (laughs) it was this harrowing event, especially for, you know, family men and their 30s and 40s, however old they were. So what is The Big Short about? 2008 Wall Street guru Michael Burry, I believe played by Christian Bale, realizes that a number of subprime home loans, whatever that means, are in danger of defaulting. Burry bets against the housing market by throwing more than $1 billion of his investors' money into credit default swaps. His actions attract the attention of banker Jared Vennett. Ryan Gosling plays it beautifully and hilariously. Hedge fund specialist Mark Baum, Steve Carell, and other greedy opportunists. Together, these men make a fortune by taking full advantage of the impending economic collapse in America. Drew, I'm going to start by asking, what is your relationship to this movie? Well, I think the, the biggest thing, and this will be, actually, this will bleed into Moneyball as some as well. But when I was in college, I took an economics class my freshman year, and... It was a result of taking that class that I was like, I should, I should watch The Big Short. Because um, I was enjoying the class, and so I wanted to kind of dig a little deeper. And then as a result of enjoying Moneyball and The Big Short so much, I ended up minoring in economics in college. Now, if you caught me on the street and you're like, all right, can you explain this economic term to me? Probably not. I, I really don't know if that minor actually did me any good. But Explain AAA rated <laughs> bonds now. <laughs> These two movies, I mean, directly resulted in me choosing my minor in college. So that, that should tell you it had a pretty significant impact on me. It came out in 2015. I, I saw that movie around then. I think on Netflix first. It came out on Netflix. And so I was at the perfect age to watch this movie. I was 16. I only cared about three things. Money was one of those things, yeah, right? Right. And so I was like, oh my goodness, this is awesome. Mm-hmm. I'm going to become a Wall Street guy, and I'm going to make half a billion dollars. But I think it's fantastic. I really do. I like Adam McKay some. Mm-hmm. I, you know, he directed, say, The Other Guys. The Other Guys is one of my favorite comedies. 
hilarious movie. But I, I think this is his best movie by far. You know, he did Vice. He did Don't Look Up. I think there's some highlights to those movies, but I, I think this is his, his masterpiece. Nominated for a number of Academy Awards, including Best Picture. Very entertaining movie. It comes off like a documentary almost. Yeah, it's, you know, and Adam McKay, I feel like, is more so thought of as a comedy director. You know, I think of Anchorman when I think of Adam McKay. Oh, that's right. <laughs> and so it, it is, int- it's, it's kind of cool for him to take this subject matter that, as we'll discuss further, is pretty serious. Like, this was not a lighthearted event that went on. But the energy that he directs with and the ability to find comedy in serious situations, I think, really plays well in that it's this isn't just like a depressing film. No. <laughs> you know, like, it's there's some fun in it, and then along the way you kind of learn about how awful of a situation this was. Yeah, well, I think you hit the nail on the head. The energy in the filmmaking, it's like, it's very, it's amped up. It's boom, 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 boom. I mean, you have celebrity cameos all the time talking to you about whatever you know but that that's the funny part about the movie too they're like i don't even know what it means but i'm gonna tell you anyway and it's entertaining and you're gonna love this movie very entertaining very fast but like you're saying super dark (laughs) yeah yeah for sure so drew and i did not do a good job of explaining or even describing the events of what happened in the big short so here's lawyer nick sigalakis to explain so the financial institutions had an expectation that only a certain percentage of these subprime mortgages were going to fail. The reality was a much higher percentage of them failed, and the result of so many of them failing at once caused a abundance of these homes going to foreclosure. And you may be saying that, well, they were expecting homes to go to foreclosure, so that shouldn't be a problem. Well, no, the problem was, was that all of the foreclosures happening at once and there being a crash in the financial institutions, there was now a shortage of a liquidity in cash. No one was comfortable putting cash into the market to buy homes, to buy properties, to salvage these mortgages. And so that caused a further problem as in there was now a significant drop into the pricing of homes. So the ability for the financial institutions to salvage the mortgages were near impossible. I know I, I'm probably jumping ahead, but I think about the Anthony Bourdain one about the CDO. It's just him in his kitchen and he's making fish stew. But then when he's done talking about it and you're like, wait, that happened? Like right. that's, that's what they were doing? You're yeah. like, I can't believe. And of course, there'd be no way that anyone would know about it because like you said, it's so convoluted in this Wall Street language that no one can really decipher that it goes under the radar for most people. But even, and I'm going to be honest with you, even while I'm talking about this, I fully don't understand the movie. No, I don't either. (laughs) There are huge pockets of this movie that I'm like, nah, I don't know. But you don't have to. I think that's part of it, though. Like, Adam McKay was like, a lot of people that got affected by the 2008 crash, they didn't know what happened. All of a sudden, everything just plummeted. All the value of whatever they own went down the drain. We really probably should read the books. Um, <laughs> so I, I've read Moneyball. Okay, there you but go. But I haven't read The Big Short. Yeah. I feel like it'd be interesting to see how much Michael Lewis dives into the real technicalities of what's going on in The Big Short, or if it's more so 
like the movie where it's kind of a flyby. And it's like, these are some terms that you need to know and this is why it happened, but I'm not going to fully explain it for you right. because that's just too in the weeds. If it's anything like Moneyball, I bet he does go into explaining stuff. I mean, there's whole chapters about on-base percentage. Mm-hmm. So he has a whole chapter about that and then a whole chapter about slugging percentage, that kind of thing. <laughs> yeah. And I'm like, yeah, this is awesome. Right. <laughs> this has never been better. Is this a horror movie, in your opinion? A lot of people would look at this as a horror movie. No, I don't think it's a horror movie. But um, what, what is a horror movie to begin with? It like evokes right. dis, like you being disturbed or, or moved emotionally in like a scared way, I guess? I mean, I think of a horror movie as being... Freddy Krueger. <laughs> it needs to be in your nightmares. <laughs> Which, I mean, granted, if maybe if you were part of the 2008 stock market crash, then... Maybe it does give you nightmares. There's no telling. There's no jump scares in the big short. Although all of a sudden, Christian Bale and his glass eye just pop out of nowhere. He's like, ah. (laughs) Great character work. Yeah, let's talk about some of that. Everybody's just firing on all cylinders in this movie. Christian Bale um, is just doing weird Christian Bale stuff. Yeah. Steve Carell, who really after The Office has done a lot of these kind of roles, more, uh, I don't want to say prestige roles necessarily, but... Elevated from Michael Scott on The Office. Right. It was a good job. Um, even, you know, Ryan Gosling's doing this crazy uh, Wall Street guy performance. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Com- super comedic actor, Ryan Gosling, by the way. Yeah. Doesn't get enough credit for that. He's hilarious. Brad Pitt doing his weird eco. <laughs> yeah. Super eco guy. But yeah, what's your favorite performance in the movie? I mean, uh, man, there's, I mean, there's so many, <clears throat> so many great performances in this movie. I think, I think Steve Carell does such a good job. And, and maybe he gets extra points because it's something that, at the time, I wasn't used to seeing him in. Um, but it's interesting to me. I feel like most of the descriptions of Big Short start with Christian Bale. And he's not the first person I think of in Big Short. It's usually Steve Carell. Really? And his team. Because, I don't know, I'm more interested by how they were just wall street guys but once they saw it they saw the corruption going on and really like went on a mission to find out if it was true and christian bale like knows it the whole time because he's this phd guy who's like can just look at the numbers and be like what's gonna crash but like when they go down to miami to like start talking to people about it and they like slowly piece together that they're wait this is this is actually going to crash. That's my favorite aspect of the movie. And even like in Vegas, when they go to the convention and they're with all the scumbags and they're like, this is awful. That's my favorite aspect of the movie. And Steve Carell is kind of the one who leads the pack, but really him and his whole team is my favorite part of the movie. When you talk about the moral dilemma in this movie, these guys knew that everything was about to go south. So they bet on it to go south. Right. They knew that things were going to be bad and it was going to affect the lowest of lows, right? It was going to affect mostly people with not a lot of money. Right. And so Steve Carell does the best job, I think, of the movie of having that conflict of, are we going to go down with the ship? Why would we do that when we know the ship's going down and we can buy this life preserver right here? At the end of the day, you feel terrible, but you feel terrible with half a billion dollars. <laughs> well, yeah, and, and, you know, there's even that part of the movie where the bank that they work for that owns their hedge fund is... One of the banks who's the corrupt part. And they realize that this bank that owns their hedge fund is going to go down. And so then there's even like a, a discussion about, 
when do we sell? Because if we wait too long, then we're not going to have a hedge fund anymore because right. the bank's going to go south. Like, it is, it's crazy. It really is. I watched this movie with my wife just a few weeks ago, and every time one of those things happened, I, like, looked at her, and I was like, can you <laughs> believe that just happened? <laughs> did she like it? Yeah, she did. My favorite, honestly, I think my favorite performance, and again, I saw this when I was 16, is the funniest performance, and it's Ryan Gosling's Jared Vinnett. Especially when he comes in and, and gives that presentation, that whole thing with the the Jenga and Ugh, best scene in the movie. His his assistant Yang, whose name isn't actually Yang, and the right. I think it's honestly I'm pretty sure it's the guy from Succession, the guy that plays Kendall Roy. I'm blanking on his name right now. I, I know exactly who he is, but he's like that's kind of racist, right? Yeah, <laughs> just a funny character. Yeah, and he's almost like the unreliable narrator, right? In this whole thing. It's through the lens of a few guys, but it's it's through the voice of him. Like, mm-hmm. he's the one walking us through this entire thing that happened. But at the same time, you're like, do I trust this guy? <laughs> yeah. It's an interesting character. Uh, Brad Pitt, who's in another movie we're going to talk about today, mm-hmm. Moneyball. Spoiler alert, even though I've said it already. We've said it several times. He's great in this. He does another good job of being like, I don't want to profit off this, but I will. <laughs> right. Thing. What do you think is the MVP of this? That Michael Lewis did so much research into this and then was able to make it palatable for just a general audience. And I think Adam McKay does a really good job of honoring that. Anyone can watch this movie and get a better understanding of why the stock market crashed without wanting to pull their hair out, you know? And I I think that was probably the main challenge that Adam McKay took on was he was like, okay, so how do we make an entertaining movie about wall street mumbo jumbo and i think he did a really good job i think he made it entertaining but you also don't feel cheated at the end of the movie you don't feel like i feel like they didn't really tell me what went on like i i have a pretty good understanding now from a basic level of why the stock market crashed because of this movie and that's a win uh my mvp i think is going to go to the editing i looked this up hank corwin we're going to mm-hmm. give hank corwin the editor a shout out for this he's done a few movies with Adam McKay, but again, it's that uh, fast pace. How do we make it entertaining? And I think yeah. a lot of that goes with the editing. You know, quick shots that show you a lot of different things. Just boom, 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 boom the whole time. Like there's there's never a slow part of this movie. Yeah. It's hey, we're in this office talking about this real quick. Oh, we're gonna jump over to Michael Burry over there in uh, Silicon Valley, wherever he's at. Oh, we're now in Miami, figuring that out. Oh, the guys are in Vegas. Brad Pitt's in Dublin. All of a sudden. <laughs> But you never feel like you're losing track of where you're at. Yeah. It's just you're along for the ride, and the ride is going to crash at some point, but it's a fun ride the entire time. So that's my MVP. Yeah, and, you know, like you said, it's it's really shot like a documentary. Yeah. Which I think really plays well into it that it's... I mean, you even have people talking right into the camera. Right. That Mm -hmm. kind of thing, you know? Yeah, exactly. And And it moves at such a quick pace that you never... It... This movie very easily could have ended up with a monologue in it that you're like, please stop talking. Yeah. <laughs> I, I really don't care. But it doesn't. But it doesn't. It, it's always moving. It never bores you. And it, and it knows that the content needs to, it needs to go quick. Otherwise, you're going to lose interest. Credit to the editor. Hank Corwin, man. <laughs> Who knew he'd get a shout out today? All right, this next, uh, this is more of a critique, and this is a working title, but I'm calling this the We Aren't Filmmakers, so we really have no room to say how someone can make a movie better, but we're going to do it anyway, Criticism. 
Do you, I'm not going to say it again. Do you have one of those, Drew? Yeah, I think, and this is interesting because I feel like this is something that you said that you like. I think the Ryan Gosling character confuses me sometimes. Really? Yeah, because he is. He's supposed to be the narrator. Because at the very beginning of the movie, he's talking about how the the original home loan was created. And he's like walking you through that. And then he's like, and then of course the banks got greedy and it all made a mess. But he's not the narrator the whole time. No. <laughs> he just kind of comes in for pieces of the yeah. movie. And then he's like, all right, I'm going to tell you this piece of information now. And then you won't hear from him again for a while. So sometimes from a linear standpoint, I get a little lost, at least the first couple of times. I've watched the movie enough times now where it's like, I know where it's going. But on the first couple of viewings, I got a little bit lost. So who's... <laughs> Who's the main character? Who's the narrator? Who's, are they working together? It, I just kind of got lost in the sauce a little bit. That's fair. But a, a small critique for, for a movie, for a movie like. that doesn't have much that I don't right. like. Well, I, I wonder if that's part of it, though. For you to not nearly understand exactly what's going on, but still having fun along for the ride. Like people that are you know, trying to make money off Wall Street, they don't understand exactly what's going on. But they're having a blast making money in the moment, right. you know. And then all of a sudden, it all goes down. That kind that's of thing. true. I wonder if that's part of the, of the thing. I like think the structure of the film. It's also a hard movie because it's not really a, a standard movie structured plot. It definitely isn't. No, it's not. So it's a hard movie to, even talk about. Really. Right. I think it's. I think the moment when I. That's really why we're choosing it for our first movie. <laughs> right. Exactly. We start hard. Yeah. Then they all get easier. Exactly. I think the moment at the end of the movie when Ryan Gosling has his check for however many million dollars that he got, and he's like, you know, he's like, yeah, I profited, and you might think I'm a scumbag, but I never said I was the hero of this movie. I'm always like, what? (laughs) (laughs) And then I can't remember, I think right when he says that, it goes to like Brad Pitt and his goons, and so then I'm like, so are they supposed to be the heroes of this movie? Who is? I don't think anybody. <laughs> no, That's, no one is. No. They're they just, just were losers. smart. They were just smart. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, there's no solutions, only trade-offs. Yeah. Thomas Sal, I believe, said that. Shout out to the economist that I learned about in personal finance in <laughs> 11th grade. My criticism, and sort of a monkey's paw, because I, I really like, again, like the editing of this movie, and I, I like what Adam McKay's doing, but I don't like it when he does it in other things. When it's like a wink at the camera or a tongue-in-cheek, ho-ho, look how crazy this is, that kind of thing. Mm -hmm. He almost overdoes it in Don't Look Up. Mm. He really amps it up in Vice. Mm -hmm. And then his show, which I like actually, Winning Time. It's about the the Lakers in the 80s, the Showtime Lakers. Mm -hmm. But he does a lot of like wink, wink at the camera, ho-ho, that kind of thing. You know what I'm saying? Does that make Mm -hmm. sense? Yes, absolutely. Paul, that's my least favorite thing about this movie because it works here. But then he's like, this is my thing now. Right, yeah. I'm going to be the, the, the cynical guy that's still, though, having fun with how I make this movie. Look at us, blah, blah, blah. Anyway, I'm going off on an Adam McKay tangent now. But I, no, that's I my criticism. Agree. Especially, like like you said, when it's he's talking about his quantitative and he calls him Yang. And then Yang turns to the camera and goes, actually, my name's Jung. Yeah. <laughs> I love that. I think it's hilarious. Yeah. But, like, I guess it only, it does only work sometimes. Because then other times, yeah, when you see that in other things, you're like, that's just, you're just being lazy. (laughs) Like, Vice was just too much for me. I don't know if you ever saw Vice, but just a little too much. So let's talk about Moneyball. Yeah. 
Oh my goodness. Every time I think about this movie, I get goosebumps. Because like Brad Pitt, as Billy Bean says, how can you not get romantic about baseball? I say this is a movie that I love. I've looked up the director of this movie. I still, I could not remember who it is. It's not like a I big, know famous it. director. The name Bennett Hughes is coming to mind, but I don't think that's right. Bennett Hughes. Let's see. Bennett Miller. Bennett Miller. That was close. Bennett okay. Miller. Here's your description. Billy Bean, played by Brad Pitt. Beautifully. General manager of the Oakland A's, one day has an epiphany. Baseball's conventional wisdom is all wrong. Faced with a tight budget, Bean must reinvent his team by outsmarting the richer ball clubs. Joining forces with Ivy League graduate Peter Brand, played brilliantly by Jonah Hill, Bean prepares to challenge old school traditions. He recruits bargain bin players whom the scouts have labeled as flawed, but have game-winning potential. Oh my goodness. I, I, even you just... If, if you can tell which movie I like, I, I'm excited to talk about more. Just from my voice right now, shaking, thinking about this movie. Oh, even you just talking about the description. What a movie. And, and the music's coming to my mind right now. Golly. What a film, man. What is your relationship to this movie, Drew? I, so I saw this movie in theaters with my dad. And... Loved it the first time, and I've loved it more every time I've watched it since. So, like, just a characteristic of a good movie is it gets better the more you watch it. But I started at, like, a 10, so I really didn't even think I had much room to go up. But it just gets better, Heath. Sometimes, if I'm at work and I need motivation, I I draw on Moneyball to be like, okay... What are you thinking about? You thinking about the Hattieburg home run? I'm thinking about I'm thinking about when Brad Pitt's in his hoodie and he's running on the field and that <laughs> music's going on. I'm like, this is all right. I can do work now. I'm motivated. Right on. It's amazing. It's it's such a I don't want to say underdog because I don't really see it as an underdog movie. I see it as a guy who is so ambitious to do something that was against the norm and then it worked. It's such a good story. Yeah. And it it's, is. The, the film is perfect as far as I'm concerned. Uh, yeah, I, I agree with you. Five-star movie. I saw this movie, I think, for the first time on AMC. I feel like mm. AMC is the only place you're going to find Moneyball. It's a perfect, perfect channel for Moneyball. <laughs> I wouldn't want it on TNT or mm. FX or anything <laughs> like that. Um, I saw it, I think, a few times in high school, but, and I, I liked it. But it didn't really click for me till I, I sat and watched it in college, mm-hmm. which I feel like for, for whatever reason, I matured enough to be like, okay, this is, this is something special. And so ever since then, I mean, I've probably watched this movie 20 plus times. I'll throw it on every now and then. It's a great, like you're saying, it gets better on rewatch. Phenomenal rewatchable movie. Oh. I mean, you can just watch it over and over again. Yeah. A special film. It's my favorite sports movie. Mm-hmm. But the funny thing is, it's not a sports movie. Right. It's really a movie about economics. Yeah. Cosplaying as a movie about baseball. There, there's just so many so many great scenes in here. I mean, we're, we're going to talk about this movie for a bit. Yeah. But even, like, you're saying, like, what gets you amped? Like, I want to run through a brick wall when he brings in uh, Peter, played by Jonah Hill, Peter Brand, who, fun fact, I read the book. It's actually a Paul. He's actually, his name is Paul. I don't know why he changed it to Peter for the movie. Mm. Doesn't make any sense to me. But I'm fine with it. Uh, when he brings him in, and so, you know, Peter Brand is telling him about, like, the, the money ball system. This guy, talking about that pitcher that throws funny, mm-hmm. he's like, this guy probably should be making 3 or $4 million a year. We can get him for 338000 <laughs> I'm like, oh, 
with the music going on and it's like a zoom in on these guys. All it is is them looking at a computer, but it's so compelling. Like why, why, is, why do you think that is? What, how, how does that work so well? It, it does a, a good setup right at the beginning of the movie. They lose to the Yankees. You see how crushed he is. You know, the next scene is like them talking about how they have no money compared to the Yankees and pretty much every other baseball team. But the Yankees is kind of the one they pick on the most. They're losing all their best players to the best team or to the richer teams. And you can just tell that Brad Pitt or Billy Bean is desperate. He's like, I don't know what to do. We have no money, we have no good players, and we can't get good players because we have no money. That's just the first, like, 15 minutes of the movie. You automatically know what the problem is. And then this guy comes in and says, I found a way to get good players and not have to spend money on them. And it's just, like, problem solved. This is amazing. <laughs> Why does no one else know about this? It's so cool. Peter Brand and Bill James. Those are the two guys that, <laughs> yeah, Bill James. that knew about this. Uh, Bill James, interesting guy in the book for sure. He was uh, like a security guard at a beanie weenie factory, but he was like the smartest guy on earth. <laughs> yeah. Figured, and he just loved, like his hobby was literally like figuring out advanced, like how to do advanced analytics for baseball. <laughs> yeah. What a, what a way to spend your, your time, man. <laughs> yeah. And it worked. That's what's fascinating about baseball, too, quick tangent. The analytics are so much more evolved than any other sport. Mm -hmm. And I think it's because it's the least athletic and the most technical sport. And so it is, I mean, obviously there's a lot of skill involved. Like, it's hard to hit a baseball. It's hard to throw, like, strike somebody out, that kind of thing. But it is. You can, like, dive into the numbers, and the numbers will work Mm -hmm. in this game. I digress. Sorry. This is not a sports podcast. (laughs) But this is a sports movie. Uh, but let's talk about, I want to talk about Billy Bean for a second. Fascinating character. Because, I mean, it's a very technical movie. But at the at the center point is a guy who, like, you do empathize with. I mean, he's, he's the GM of a baseball team, but he's kind of a loser. Yeah. He looks, yeah. At, him, looks at himself as a loser. Failed at playing baseball. And, and that's, that's a great part of this, of this story, too, was he was misvalued. And so he has been hurt by the system of baseball that he's trying to change. Mm-hmm. So, like, he has this, like, emotional and personal stake to it. And then you, you root for him the entire time. Yeah. But, and I love how Brad Pitt plays it, because the book describes Billy Bean as kind of an angry guy. Mm-hmm. Brad Pitt isn't, like, boisterous yelling the whole time. Right. But, like, you can tell, like, right under the surface, the dude is seething, like, the <laughs> yeah. entire yeah. time. Yeah. Yeah. When he goes and has that meeting with the Cleveland Indians, and he's like, how you doing? And he's like fantastic right <laughs> but he like has this like fake little smile on as he's saying it you're yeah. like oh this guy is in hell right yeah. now yeah. trying to figure out a way to make his team go back to the playoffs yeah and then the the cleveland guys are just like throwing little jabs at him about how his team doesn't have any money yeah <laughs> he's like what are we doing here guys <laughs> but uh, what do you think about uh billy bean in this movie what do you I'm, think about that character well i mean as soon as i finished the movie i want i just wanted to google and just read so much more on him because it's so fascinating because i think in general as sports fans we probably view gms as these guys who are just kind of in their ivory tower and they're trading players and whatever and i don't know i don't i don't really think of them as humans yeah (laughs) i really don't and so this movie 
humanizes Billy Bean so much. Like, you you see the relationship with his daughter and with his ex-wife, and then, like, it's him and Peter Brand just kind of staying after hours and chatting, and it's like, you really get that, like, this is his job, and he's just trying to succeed at it, but he doesn't have the resources that everyone else does. And I think that aspect of it just it plays so much into you wanting to root for him because it, it no longer takes it from just some GM of a major league baseball team trying to win games, but it's a guy who's trying to do his job well. When you, when you boil it down to that, then it becomes so much simpler and so much more just like, man, I hope he wins. You can see yourself in Billy Bean, you know? Absolutely. I just want to do my job well. Yeah. Obviously, Jonah Hill's great. Yeah. His family, quick shout-out to Spike Jones, who plays the, the new husband. Spike Jones, director of the movie Her, among other things. Mm-hmm. What a doofus. Yeah. <laughs> Super rich doofus. Like, they're living in the nicest right. house I've ever seen in my life. Yeah. But he's, uh, he's trying to talk baseball with Billy Bean. He just can't. Yeah. He just can't do it. At least he tried, yeah. you know? Philip Seymour Hoffman, oh, Man. as Art Howe. It's such a funny character. Yeah, yeah. It is. Because the whole time he's like, you're killing this team. He literally says that at one point. You're killing this team. <laughs> says it exactly like that. It's so funny when he comes in, he's like, okay, this is who I want you to put in the lineup. <laughs> he's like, you want to put in this guy who can't even play this position? He's not a first baseman. <laughs> right. <laughs> he's like, no, you have to play Howdy. And he's like, I'm going to play Pena. <laughs> and then he's, he, so he keeps playing Pena. Who I think ends up being an all-star that oh, year. Oh, yeah. And then that whole scene where he ends up trading Pena, so he has to play Hattieburg. <laughs> right. And he's, his face barely says anything in this movie. He's just his facial expression. He's like, I, I want to die right now. Why is Billy Bean doing this to me? <laughs> yeah. But it works out. That's the thing. Absolutely, it does. You know, half the movie is, they suck. But then it finally starts to come around. The numbers finally start to even out for what right. they predicted. And then they go on the streak. Mm-hmm. Right, and this I'm gonna actually say this is probably my favorite. This is my favorite scene in the movie. Me too. So when they win, is it 22 or is it 20 or is it 21? It's 20. 20. So they get the AL record for most wins all time in a row. Right. So they get to 20, and uh, it's the way they set up this game is fantastic. Billy Bean, who never goes to games, never watches them. Right. He's on his way to go scout. Gets a call from his wife and daughter, ex-wife, excuse me, saying, hey, we're really proud of you. And so at this point, he's like, you know what? I am going to go watch this game. Yeah, because he turns it on the radio. He turns it on the radio. And they're up. You're right. They're up by 13 nothing. Right, right, right. (laughs) In the second inning, they're up 13 nothing. He gets there. And then everything turns. Even like the sky turns cloudy. It's funny funny how they do that in the filmmaking. And their their lead starts to dwindle, right? Yeah. They start making a few errors here or there. Who are they playing? Are they playing the, the Twins? Royals. The Royals. Mm-hmm. Royals get a few runs. And you can tell, like, he's thinking. He's like, oh, I'm here watching this. Yeah. I'm the failure. <laughs> I jinxed it. I'm the loser. <laughs> right. Yeah. So he goes back into the locker room and starts working out. But he, has it, he still has it on the TV, right? So, like, he doesn't stop watching it. Yeah. Because he wants to be a part of this greatness. It gets all the way back to where it's 13, 13 all or whatever it is, whatever the runs are. Right. Is that a baseball? Sorry, I'm not a huge baseball guy. 13 all, can I say that? Uh, In baseball? I'd probably say tied at 13. Tied at 13. <laughs> Thank you, my baseball guy. And then 
it's the bottom of the what is it, eleventh inning, tenth right. inning, something like that, yeah, something like that. And Art Howe, you can tell he's like, you know what, Hattiebird, go <laughs> up, got, right. go up there, because he finally like at this point has like trusted the money ball process. Yeah. So Hattiebird gets up there. I think takes like a first pitch ball or strike, whatever it is, and then you know the music gets all fantastic and emotions heighten up. Billy Bean's thinking about his past, how he's a failure in baseball. He thinks it's all coming down again. And then out of nowhere, boom, Hattieberg home run. One of my favorite scenes in a movie all time. Like nobody says anything. You just hear the cheers from the crowd. Great call from the Oakland A's radio guy Mm -hmm. on that one. Yeah. And then the music is fantastic. Everybody's losing their minds. And in that moment, I, I think this is why it's so powerful, I guess, to me, is in that moment... Billy Bean realizes, oh, I actually won this one. I didn't fail. I failed at a lot of things, but not this time. And the funny thing is, it wasn't even necessarily the money ball that won it for him. Right. Hattieberg was there to get on base, but he hits a home run. And it was almost luck that made that greatness happen. And so I, it's just, it, it's a good scene to me. That's my MVP it's, of the movie, that scene. It's such good storytelling because you read the book. So I don't know how much Hattieberg's actually involved he is. Okay. he is. He is. He's actually a little bit better in real life than he, they portray him in the movie. I mean, he could actually play first base a little right. bit. Yeah. <laughs> I just, I think, because we see Hattieberg on, like, New Year's, the year before, with his family. He doesn't have a team. He's down in the dumps. And his wife's checking the, make, doing the bills right. over yeah, there. Exactly. <laughs> like, they're not, not making ends meet. <laughs> and... And then Billy Bean shows up and offers him a contract, and he's, like, stunned because he can't play catcher anymore, so we couldn't believe someone's offering him to play. He's like, we want you to play first base. He's like, I can't play first base. Right. It's not that hard. Tell him why. <laughs> he's like, it's incredibly hard. <laughs> it's such a good scene. But it, it sets you up for that moment so early on in the movie that's like, this guy is going to have a, a significant impact I agree with you. The The emotions that that scene is able to evoke in that home run is something I have rarely seen in a movie. I, I don't just get, like, a little kind of chill. I get, like, full-body goosebumps. <laughs> it takes over. And I it's, it's just such good storytelling. It's such a good story. It's incredible that that happened. That they actually were up by 10 or more runs blew the lead, and then Hattieberg hit a walk-off home run to get to 20 straight win uh, games that they won. I can't believe that that actually happened in real life. Incredible. When I saw it in the first time, I was like, oh, that's cool. But there's no way it actually happened like that. And then you go and look, and that's exactly how it yeah. happened. And you're like, that's nuts. <laughs> Again, how can you not be romantic about baseball? It's like if you did a movie about the kick six. <laughs> But yeah. that was, like, the height of the movie. Yeah. Ugh. Actually, it's you know what? Write that down. We might, yeah, we might should invest do that. into that. But it's interesting because that's not the end of the movie. Right. There's really, I guess, that's sort of the climax, I guess. But then there's, it really just becomes an epilogue after that. Yeah. They, his whole goal is to still win the last game. Doesn't do that. Right. Doesn't win, the, doesn't win a championship or anything. Loses right. in the playoffs. Yeah. Ends up getting offered by the Red Sox, who have all the money in the world, and in, essentially could do Moneyball better because they have more money. Right. That yeah. kind of thing. Mm-hmm. So you can get the best players. So he gets that job offer, and then he ends up staying. 
and he's still and in like the the epilogue or the little end credit thing it says yeah. he's still trying to fight get that last win yep and there's a, there's an interesting scene as he's driving away uh, right before he drives away from the stadium P- peter brand shows him that video yeah of that uh that big old guy yeah who what does he do he never takes the risk right he never takes the turn at first blade at first base he never takes the to turn get to, to get a second. second yeah but this time he tries yeah and what does he do he stumbles eats it <laughs> and he's thinking people are laughing at him that kind of thing but no 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 no. he hit the home run <laughs> yeah change baseball man that's that that also gives me goosebumps yeah because billy bean's like oh wait we did change baseball yeah we thought we were losers because we didn't win the last game but everybody's gonna start doing this now yeah. and he, i mean we see it live now yeah. how yeah. people are like the game has changed right after the streak there's another scene between Billy Bean and Peter Brand, and all of a sudden Billy Bean like doesn't seem as happy anymore. Peter Brand's like, why are you like this? We just won 20 straight games. And he's like, I don't want to just win games. I want to change the game. And so then that's where it, when it comes back around where you did change the game. You, you accomplished something pretty significant. And then he drives away and listens to his daughter's uh, CD of the show, mm-hmm. which I guess in this universe of the money of Moneyball, she wrote that song, the show by Lenka, <laughs> and he's like, you know what, I'm actually gonna stay in Oakland. Yeah, it's very nice. Kind of crying, you know, as he's driving, not even saying anything. Brad Pitt kills it in this movie. Dude. He's so good. He's so good. He's so good. But he's good in anything. Brad it's Pitt. True. Brad Pitt is one of our best. But this is my. I mean, I think it's my favorite Brad Pitt performance. That's fair. That's fair. Really, it is. It's he's so good in this movie, and I think there's you know he talked about how Brad Pitt really pushed for this movie, like he read the book, and he was like, "I'm gonna put money into this. I want to get this made." So it was a passion project for him. He wasn't just there because they cast him, and he's like, "Okay, I'll do this movie." Like he wanted to make this movie, and you can tell he is all in in this performance because I think he was. Just as moved by the story as the audience is, you know? Yeah. He, he read the book, and it's like, this is a story that needs to get told. It's worth it. Uh, what, what would be your criticism? Do you have any criticisms? I don't have any criticisms. That's I fair. I really don't. I mean, the epilogue, it, it is kind of a stark, like, climax, and then there's still a couple pieces of the story they need to get in at the end, like him being offered by the Red Sox, and... I think that can be a little bit of a, it, it, you, you're you on such a high for that climax, and then all of a sudden it's like, okay, we still have 20 minutes. <laughs> yeah, that's a, it does kind of deflate a little bit. A little that. bit, but I think it's necessary for the story, because you want to know what, if if that happened and then the movie ended, you'd be like, well, Where's Moneyball 2? <laughs> <laughs> exactly, so they needed to put it in. That's the only part of the movie that I never like, okay. That's fair. I can go pee right now. His his conversation with the Red Sox owner, that guy is just off-putting to me. Yeah. So that's that would be my crit. I really, in all seriousness, it's hard for me to criticize a movie that, like this that I enjoy so much. It's so good. Even like the little details, like the scouts are actual scouts that were working with the A's. So let me ask you this. Are you taking the 
preceding film, Moneyball, or the proceeding film, mm -hmm. Big Shore? Which one are you taking? I'm taking the preceding film. You're taking it? Yeah. I think uh, I like Moneyball better. It's it's not as lighthearted, obviously. Um, it is a little bit more like, all right, we're going to... We're going to set the tone as pretty serious, and we're not really going to move from it very often. There's but it's a, more uplifting. There, Yeah, it is. There's a, there's more of a of a win. <laughs> there's, there's really no wins in the yeah. big shorts. <laughs> there is absolute failures and then some profit off of failures <laughs> right. that are morally ambiguous. <laughs> <laughs> so I think it's a little bit more steady. I think Moneyball has a little bit more of an identity. It knows what it is. Let's just say a quick thank you to Michael Lewis, though, for diving into these two subject matters. And obviously, if he didn't write these books, they probably wouldn't get made into movies. No. And so, big credit to ML. I, I feel like what, what he did. ML. <laughs> as his, as his homies call. Right. <laughs> or his goons. I just, I think, and, and it was the same thing with Moneyball with me, was I was so fascinated by the the economic side of it that I was like, I want to, I want to learn more. I want to, I'm going to take economics classes in college. And truth be told, I didn't really like my economics classes. After that first one, my freshman year, the rest of them kind of stunk. But it, it is really fascinating to look at the math that went into <laughs> building this baseball team. Like you wouldn't think that's actually something a baseball team would do much less that it worked. I'll say this. There's one little caveat with Moneyball, and that's that I think the movie gives the impression that the entire Oakland A's team in uh, 2002, which is the season that it's based on, was they were all like Chad Bradford. Like They were all like these guys who were good at the game, but they had something wrong with them, so they got them all for like $200,000. And that's not really the case. They had some really good players. They had some studs. <laughs> they did. But that's... That's beside the point, you know, it's not like, that doesn't ruin the movie. Everything that they show in the movie did happen. Right. So it's not like they're just making things up. There's just like, we don't need to talk about Miguel Tejada, <laughs> right? <laughs> Who's just not for this story. really good. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I'm going to take Moneyball too. Both good movies. Moneyball though is extremely good. It's so good. Great. If you haven't seen it, like if you haven't seen either one of these, watch Moneyball first. Yeah. That's the better movie. It's a movie that came before, too. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Again, like you're saying, Michael Lewis makes, as we've seen, he's had, he has at least three movies, or three books that are movies. I didn't want to talk about The Blind Side, because I'd rather talk about these two movies. Yeah. But that was kind of the first Michael Lewis movie. Right. Mm -hmm. All three of those movies really are successful. Both movies about economics, finding market inefficiencies. But yes, I'm taking the Moneyball movie myself. Uh, last question before we get out of here. Mm -hmm. Are the best sports movies, are they inherently baseball movies? What do you think? No. I mean, because I was even thinking when you said earlier, you said, this is my favorite sports movie. And I said, I wonder if it's mine. And I think Remember the Titans is That's a good one. right up there with me. But again, I think that good sports movies aren't on the field the whole time. You know? I mean, there's barely any baseball played in Moneyball. Right. And there's not much football played in Remember the Titans. Yeah. You know, it's, it's much more about this coach who comes in and I won't do a whole remember the Titans breakdown, but we'll do it later <laughs> that story. And so it's like, I think sports can bring out some of the best stories because there's so much passion and emotion and there's just so much going on when you're playing sports and when you have a team. And so I think sometimes they bring out, so I really think, 
I think baseball does have so many great movies, but Remember the Titans is fantastic. I think Hoosiers is a fantastic movie for basketball. How about Miracle? Miracle is a fantastic movie. Oh, and hockey. Hockey. So I just feel like sports in general can really develop these stories that people they bring them, see. They bring out emotions. Yeah. They make people, people are glued to have them those feelings with sports, so it's easy to make that into a movie. But I'll say Moneyball is unlike any other sports movie I've seen. Right. It, it's on a completely different level. It, it has a completely different tone. It, it feels like, I think that's why it's so cool to compare these movies, is it almost feels like a Wall Street movie. Yeah. <laughs> the way that they're just in their office, looking at a computer, like, analyzing these numbers and going, how can we manipulate this system system in our favor? You wouldn't think that'd be a sports movie. But I just got the goosebumps again. <laughs> so good. <laughs> All right. Thank you guys for listening to the first episode of Proceeding Film, the Proceeding Film podcast. You know what? Working title. Everything, working everything's a working title. You never know. But we will be back next time, and I'm still trying to figure out what those movies are going to be. We've got plenty to choose from. We've got a, a huge list to choose from. You will figure that out when the next episode drops. Thank you guys for listening.